Hey there, and welcome back to Hoops and Hot Meat. Can you not? <laughs> hey there, and welcome back to Hoops and Hot Pot, the premier NBA podcast in Cabramatta, Sydney. This episode is our first mailbag episode. We're so grateful to all of our listeners who have submitted questions about the NBA, whether about the league today or about the league all the time. Really appreciate the fact that you're willing to contribute to this podcast, and hopefully we give some fun answers to your questions. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hey, I'm Alex M. I'm here in the studio with Alex D. And the D stands for Dwight Howard is on the Los <laughs> Angeles Lakers. What it be, Alex? What it be? Do you remember that Sports Illustrated <laughs> a couple years ago when, when Dwight and Steve Nash and Kobe teamed up in LA? And Pal Gasol. And Pal Gasol. Yeah. And there was the cover of Sports Illustrated with Steve Nash and Dwight Howard. And it said, now this is going to be fun. The art of the pick and roll. Uh, is are you high on that? Do you think it's going to be the same thing again? Dwight's just going to disappoint us again? Look, I think you can't disappoint if there's no expectation, right? And I think given his last stint in LA, Lakers fans are left with the impression that this guy's a bum. Yes, and, because he is a bum. Okay, well, yeah, for the last few seasons, he kind of has been a bum. But if you look at his short stint in Washington, he actually did well. Like his stats were actually up there prior to getting injured. So I know the general opinion is not very high, on this acquisition but i don't know i think i'm pretty bullish on it i think it's good i suppose it's a low risk acquisition as well like the demarcus cousins injury really hurt them i think and i know yeah. we didn't have much expectations for boogie this season either but the fact was that he was a big in a pretty big star rotation yeah a skilled big yeah a skilled big yeah and you don't want anthony davis playing the five all the time even though ultimately i think he's a center he doesn't want to play the center and yeah. if you have him and you want to keep him, you're going to let him play the four. Yeah, unfortunately, you're just going to have to bend to his will for the most part. I'm well, sure in the last two minutes, he'd be fine to play center just to close out games or something yeah. like that. But yeah, I mean, if I'm a superstar, like the center position is kind of known for doing the dirty work, the boxing out, the rebounding. role player type work, right? Like not the glamorous glory type work. And if I'm AD, like I, I'd be right to think I'm above that. You know what I mean? He's in LA to be a star, which is something he didn't think he could be in New Orleans because well, the market wasn't big enough, free agents didn't want to play with him. He's got everything he wants now, so I'm not surprised that he's you know making more demands of them. Yeah, I think this is also a chance for Dwight to rehab his image a little bit in this league. Yeah, his reputation has been nothing but downhill ever since Orlando, which yeah. was, wow, probably almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think this is just an opportunity for him to show... He can contribute to a winning team, show that he's like you know serious about basketball and not just here to make some money. What do you think? I think more than ever, this is the opportunity to show that he can fit in. Because if you look at the last couple of teams he's been on, such as Washington, for example, yeah, they kind of needed him to eat up possessions because the teams he's been on have just been a bit devoid of talent. Yeah, uh, even in Houston, which I think was his his last significant chance to make an impact. Yeah. He wasn't willing to play nice with Harden. He wasn't willing to be the pick-and-roll guy who they ultimately decided Capella would be. Yeah. And that's why he didn't have a spot in Houston. And he's not going to have the opportunity to to be dominant anymore, to be board dominant anymore. Nor does he need to be in this team, right? Yeah. And, well, he I don't think he ever should have been. Yeah. And I think it's that's been true for a very long time. Yeah. Even at the start of the career, I thought he was taking too many shots for how good his offense was. Yeah. His biggest strengths have always been defensively. And I yeah. hope... 
that he can see now that that's his role and that's what LeBron wants. Yeah, I mean, if he brings the following skills and elements to the Lakers team, which would be, for me, rebounding, defensive presence in the paint, and being a lob threat on offense, yeah, I think you've gotten way more value out of him than what you could have needed. Because LeBron and AD, that's your one-two punch, right? Yeah. So you don't need like Dwight Howard to form a part of a big three for them to be competitive because they already are. Yeah, They're just filling in some weaknesses on their team. Exactly. For the veteran minimum, you're happy if you can get two out of those three out yeah. of your backup center. So if you can get all three, that's extremely good value. And I do think Dwight has sort of that star player streak in him. Yeah. If not the skill, then the aggressiveness, the sort of, I know I'm good. I know I'm here to make an impact. Yeah. And I'm going to try to do that. Yeah. And if he recognizes that the way he's going to do that is defensively, then it could be really good. Yeah. I think with his like ceiling, like his skill level capability... If he gives them one or two good games in the playoffs, that's one of those like acquisitions that kind of pays for itself. You know yeah. what I mean? That Golden State with Andrew Bogut in the last playoffs. Yeah. Of course, it ended in disappointment because they didn't win the championship. But he was very effective in the few games that they were able to give him, you know, 15 to 20 minutes in. Yeah. Most, a lot of like NBA Finals games are always remembered for like one role player stepping up and really changing the tide of the series. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet, Andre Iguodala. Yep. So. If Dwight Howard like ends up doing that for the Lakers in the finals or even in the conference finals against presumably the Clippers or the Rockets, yeah, I think that's like more than you could have ever asked for him. And that's something the other Western teams really lack. It's that sort of superstar potential in their bench. You know, yeah, you've got some consistent bench production, say on the Clippers. I think it's reasonable for um, Zubac, for example, to go out and have like a, a double double game, which yeah. is a bit better than what you might expect of him. But he's not going to be the kind of player who's going to go and get a twenty twenty. You know, yeah. I don't see that in him at all. Whereas Dwight, there's still that little spark inside him where you might be like, yeah. this guy might just look like two thousand nine Dwight all over again. I mean, if like late February you see in the headlines that Dwight put up thirty and fifteen, would you really be that surprised? Because I wouldn't. Yeah, I would expect that he can do that still. Yeah, like maybe once the, or twice a season. You yeah, know if the mean? opportunity presents itself. Yeah, absolutely. And as a contender. It's those kind of players that will push you over the top, right? Yeah. I think Dwight Howard being good is what's going to take the Lakers from a contender to a team that's outright unfair. And for that reason, I'm pretty excited for them. Like, I'm not the biggest Lakers fan out there, but I'm a fan of good basketball. And if I get to watch Dwight Howard play the role he's supposed to have played for the last six seasons yeah. and to finally get it right on this team, I'll be really happy for him. Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on it. Cool. So onto our mailbag questions. We got a couple of questions from a bunch of different sources. They cover a lot of different topics, but the first one I find really interesting. So from Jarrell David from the New South Wales Treasury, a former colleague of mine, your thoughts on the 2010 all-decade NBA teams now that the 2010s are done and dusted? Well, first, it's a very shocking thought to me that the 2010s are over. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we were in high school 10 years ago. That is pretty insane now. We pay tax now. (laughs) That's nuts. Yeah, so... For context, the All-NBA teams are typically teams that are chosen at the end of the year and they kind of represent the best 15 players in the NBA. It would be like if you could pick the five best players in the league and make one team, who would you pick? So this ESPN released one for the entire 2010 to 2020 decade. And on the first team is Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. So do you want to just start there and give your thoughts on it? I don't disagree at all. Yep. I think these players have defined the decade. The only thing I might say is that my center for that team might actually be Anthony Davis. I know he 
he hasn't been a superstar for the entire decade. Yeah. But he's been one of the most consistently excellent players. And yeah. I don't want to hold his lack of playoff success against him. But I understand that to a certain extent, you have to talk about accolades and achievements. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not, not really that offended. I'm not 100% sure um, that what the criteria was or the train of thought going into making these teams. But if we're purely going off like, if you were to think back to a decade, which are the first five names yeah. that would come to mind? Or could you tell the story of the decade without these five names? Yeah. I completely agree. I, I have to say, I think the Kawhi thing is a bit of recency bias. Um, I agree with that as well. I think there were many years where his name pretty much wasn't brought up. Yeah. This list in, in overall, this list, in my opinion, is a little bit late 2010s centric, but I don't disagree with it. Like Kawhi is definitely a top five or 10 player. It's just, I think this list has a bit of recency bias in it. Yeah, if you look at his achievements, two finals MVPs and two NBA champions, that that looks good, but you've got to put some context behind it as well. Yeah. Because on paper, any player with that would be like a top three or four player of the decade, right? And yeah. so it would make sense to put him on that team. But he's always been the favorite. And he's been the favorite on some pretty stacked and deep teams as well. Yeah. And I don't want to I don't want to be the type of person who says, "Oh, if your team's good, your achievements <laughs> don't mean as much." Yeah. Because I think he fully deserves to be recognized as the player he is. But when we're ranking the sheer ability of these players, I think Kawhi is still a cut under that. Yeah. I don't think I could put him on a team the same way I put Curry or LeBron or Harden and Durant yeah. and see that team just be amazing straight away. Yeah. We've never seen Kawhi on a bad team. And while I don't think we need to see him on a bad team to properly contextualize his ability, I think we can't ignore the fact that he hasn't really been a real gigantic engine for a lot of the teams he's been on he's been a system player and yep. that's not his fault it's yep. not his fault that he's only been on bad, good teams but he hasn't taken over these good teams the way Steph Curry and LeBron have yep totally agree I think I'd probably take him down to the second All-NBA team personally yep. but yeah assuming you want to do that too like who would you put in place of him that's a tough question to answer there's a lot of things you could say. Like I could even see Kobe Bryant making this team, and I know then you have you know, yeah, <laughs> three guards. But yeah. so you gotta. So I think from what I'm understanding of this list, it's not position. It's just who's the best five. So like from what I understand, I can see that it's just a list based on who's the best five players. Yeah. Like two K ratings, like who's the best five players kind of thing, regardless of position. Right. Well, that makes sense. Well, I feel very uncomfortable putting a fifth player there. Yeah. To me, the four players who have defined the decade are Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Yeah, so you think they're like a upper echelon above everyone else? I think so. Like, James Harden has been the best regular season player of the latter half of this decade. Stephen Curry is a, is a multi-time winning MVP, multi-time NBA champion. So is LeBron. Changed the way the game's been played for the last two or three years now. Absolutely. LeBron is the best player of this generation, and Kevin Durant's probably yeah. number two. Yeah, is there anyone who deserves to be recognized in that rank? Yeah, I think Kawhi's name has always been tossed around it as a um, all things equal, no injuries kind of thing. But yeah. the unfortunate reality is, he spent the better part of the last season on the bench or like not playing basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and you've got to account for that as well. He yeah. missed a whole season and a half to injury. Yeah, I think that takes away from his resume. I mean, I'd have him at like a tier one point five or something, but yeah. I think. All NBA team first team is a bit high for me. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have a look at the second team. Yep. So the second team is Chris Paul, 
Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin, and Carmelo Anthony. I'm not gonna lie. Like, was the person high when this happened? Are, like, are you mad about Melo? Is that the one you're hung up about? Melo, and I also think Blake Griffin is a bit higher on this list. I think you're ignoring how dominant Blake and Melo were in the early 2010s. Like, there was a point of time in which Melo was probably like a top three offensive player in the league. Yeah. Okay, I'm probably like also sort of recency biased. I think it's recency bias. I sort of started following the league around 2012. And like, for me personally, there's never been a time in my NBA like um, fandom where Carmelo Anthony was like a name where you had to like you have to respect that or like put his name up there. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I've never lived in a world where Carmelo Carmelo Anthony was seen as like um a must have superstar for your team. He's been I believe he's been a negative player for the last five years. And that surely has to sour his position on the rankings. Yeah. But to me, he was absolutely elite in those early twenty tens. He was a top three MVP candidate. He was one of the best offensive players in the league. He dragged a pretty crap Knicks team, winning more t- games than they really deserved. I think you got to recognize that, and his performance on the Olympics as well. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know who do, else I put there. Do, That's we, the thing. do we want to talk about the Olympics, though? No, like, I guess not. Like, isn't the Olympics kind of like a participation medal for most of these guys? But it contextualizes his performance in the NBA. That's the important thing to me, because the question was always, "Can Melo share with stars?" Yeah, the the answer was yes. If you have a good coach, if you have a good floor general. He's never had that on an NBA team, right? Yeah. Like, the best point guard he's played with the last couple of seasons is Russell Westbrook, who, to me, is not necessarily the kind of point guard who makes you better. Personally, I feel like he he played his part in ruining or limiting the ceiling of his career. It's well documented that he chose to go to the Knicks for money, yep. which is fine, you know? Like, you need yeah. to live, you yeah. know what I mean? And money helps you live. I think the impact it had on his career... Unfortunately, like he has no one to blame but himself. The last few years where, you know, it's been well documented he's refused to take a smaller role, come off the bench or whatever. I think that's all on him as well. Yeah, and it's why you will never see him at at the sort of top tier of any of these rankings. Yeah. I think history will remember him as a selfish player, which is sad, but he brought it on himself. I just hope we don't forget his achievements in the meantime. Yeah. Like he'll probably fall into those list of players that you bring up at bar conversation. It's like, oh, remember that guy? Like he was pretty good, right? Yeah. But unfortunately... Like a Clyde Drexler. Or yeah, like... Dominique Wilkins. Nothing solidifies your immortality more than winning a ring. That's right. right. And that's just how it is. Yeah. So, what about CP3? I mean, Chris Paul, Westbrook, and Anthony Davis. Do you think, you know, they belong there? The, the best two players on that list are Chris Paul and Anthony Davis. Yeah. If you made like a second team in between team one and two, I would think they and they alone deserve to be there. Chris Paul has probably been the best point guard of this generation of basketball in terms of what we normally understand what a point guard is, you know? Yeah. The whole floor general, distributing, assisting. Yeah. He's the model for that. He's, he's always like, been the poster boy of a textbook point guard, yeah. right? He's every coach's dream. He's what years and years and years of coaching development and point guard play have led up to. Chris Paul yeah. is the perfect point guard. Yeah. The only thing you can knock him for is he's a bit undersized and injury prone. Yeah. Um, but he definitely deserves to be recognized on this list. He's been probably a top ten player for the whole decade. Until his health really started to fail him, I would say he was still top ten. Even yeah. as we had emerging stars like Joel Embiid and Giannis, I still thought I'd rather have Chris Paul over those guys yeah. on certain teams. And 
you can't understate the success of the Clippers in the Chris Paul era. Yes, they never won a ring. Yes, they were hurt by injuries. Yes, they choked the Rocket series. Yeah, but Chris Paul was the only reason they even got that far. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Chris Paul deserves to be there. I'm actually surprised that you're not objecting more to Westbrook being on the second All NBA team. To be honest, well, I I don't make it a secret that I don't like Westbrook or his game. Yeah, but I can't deny that he was a really electric player uh, for probably the first six or seven years of this decade. Yeah, he was playing a really nice role on those young OKC teams. I remember in their first finals trip. Mm. He dropped like 30 plus regularly And I was yep. really impressed by that Because he just had so much energy And he was sort of really shaking up What we thought a point guard would look like Because we've never seen a guy who Is just this explosive, you know yeah, This athletic, this aggressive This willing to dunk on bigs And that energy really carried uh, Along with Kevin Durant's magnificent play Deep into the playoffs Those old Thunder teams Yeah I think this decade If for nothing else we, we have to um, reward and acknowledge the fact that he averaged the triple-double. I know it was a bit stat-padded by, um, by all accounts, but, like, you know, until he did it, it was something that everyone generally agreed would probably never happen again. Yeah. And, like, we, we've gotten spoiled by it because we've seen it for three straight seasons now from Russell Westbrook. But, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that, for the most part, we all kind of just agreed we're never going to see someone average a triple-double again. Yeah, and it's all due to his motor. Like, the dude has a lot of energy. Yeah, He doesn't hustle hard for how much energy he has, but the fact that he can go hard, at least offensively, every possession for a whole game, to me, is why he deserves to be recognized in this list. Yeah, Because there aren't many guys in the league who play as hard as he does on that end of the court. Yeah. And all the stats he has, they're very impressive. But his number one attribute, if not his athleticism, is his motor. And... There are guys who could average triple doubles, but none of them work as hard as Westbrook does. So I think it's cool that he's on this list because it it helps us remember that this was a defining part of the decade as well, right? I actually think on this entire list, there's no one else besides LeBron James and James Harden that can put a team on their back like Westbrook can. And raise the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about that season um, right when KD left, like how many superstars or stars could actually have like done what he did? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. So, I I personally think Anthony Davis doesn't belong in this list. You think he should be lower? Yeah. I okay. think I think for what he could have been, right? Yeah. Because he definitely deserves to be on the first team. But he spent too many seasons being injured. Once again, not his fault. But it is what it is, right? And for someone that, right from the age of 17 to 18, like we already knew, this league was going to be his one day. Yeah. It hasn't been his league. In fact, it's looking more likely it's going to be Giannis's league soon. He's closer to 30 than yeah. he is 18. Like, I feel like his injury plus the poor management of the Pelicans just made him miss what should have been his error. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel bad because it was malpractice on the part of the Pelicans. What they should have done is what they're doing now, right? Yeah. Taking it slow. They've got their future superstar in Zion. Now they're building assets. They're not in a rush to trade them for elite plays who are going to make a playoffs push. JJ Reddick's a nice signing, but he's not going to get you in the playoffs. Yeah. It's really sad because I think Davis, at the time he entered the league, was a more complete player than what Zion is now. Yeah. It would have been awesome to see him grow up with, you know, a bunch of high draft picks working their way into the league, earning that playoffs run for the first time. You're seeing it now with guys like Luka Doncic and De'Aaron Fox. They're going to see their first playoffs sometime soon. Yeah. 
But we never got to see AD do that because the pressure was in, on him from the start, which I thought was a bit unfair. Yeah, and like my memories of him making the playoffs are just getting swept by the Warriors anyway. Yeah. Except for that one nice run where they swept the Blazers and almost ended Damian Lillard's career. Well, I, I have to say that was more on the Blazers than the Pelicans. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and also Rondo just yeah. found another level during that match. But, but, but my point is that um, my, my memories of him in the playoffs are either non-existent or disappointing yeah and he does deserve criticism for not being the kind of player that can lift the floor of a team i think the problem with today's media landscape is that inevitably players need to be recognized for their ability to raise a floor as well yeah because this idea that a player is a multiplicative player who can come in accentuate the strengths of your team and sort of change the way your team plays basketball yeah it's too hard to understand and so all we look at is how many games did they win how many playoffs matches did they win how deep did they get and to a certain extent, that's fair. And it's definitely fair to say that AD probably hasn't done enough for how good he is. Mm. So personally for me, that's why I think he belongs either on the third list or just missing the list altogether. Only because I feel like he deserved to have been on the first list if he had lived up to what yeah. he could have been. I think I can understand what you're saying. To me, I think he actually deserves to be on the first team. Like if I had to put a player there, it would be him. Yeah. But that's for me, that's the eye test, right? Yeah. When I look at him, I see a player that changes the way defense is played in the league. Like he fundamentally affects the way you have to run your offensive scheme because of how versatile and how effective he is defensively. And the fact that he can punish you hard on the other side and he forces mismatches like it's no one else's business. Yeah. He's like, he's what Joel Embiid should be. Yeah. If Joel Embiid didn't have issues with his shooting and his shot selection and his energy. Yeah. Let's talk about the third list. Yep. So on the third list, we have Dwayne Wade. Kobe Bryant, Paul George, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Honestly, I don't know if I can disagree with too much on this list. Um, I felt like LaMarcus Aldridge was a bit odd. Uh, but when I started thinking about it, I can't think of too many names that I'd put in place of him either. That's the thing. I actually feel better about LMA on this list than I do with some of the other players. Yeah, so who do you not feel so good about? I think Dwayne Wade is... Oh, it's hard to say, right? Because they won. Well, that, re- that was the Miami Heat. It was the Heatles right? Wade, but that Wade was already falling off. I don't know if that Wade was at a high enough level for long enough to make this list. But yeah. I'm thinking about who I'd replace him with. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't feel comfortable with a lot of the names on this list. Yeah. The thing is, I just can't think of who I'd replace them with. Yeah, I, I thought of some names. I thought of, is it John War? Is it <laughs> Damian Lillard? Yeah. None of those names really speak to me. Kyrie know? Irving? No, it's definitely not Kyrie. Um, yeah, look, if for Wade's achievements, I don't have a problem with him being there, but I definitely think this is the part of the list where I start to feel like you could make a lot more arguments for other players. Yeah, like if you had brought up some other name to me, I'd be like, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. You know absolutely. what I mean? I mean, I don't know. What do you think about Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan? No, I don't think so. Too late? Well, his last elite season was probably 2013. Yeah. That year that they lost to the Heat. After that, I think he was pretty strictly a role player. And by 2015, he was pretty useless. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Lillard probably got, gets an honorable Lillard mention. Lillard gets an honorable mention. Yeah. Kyrie, John War. As far as bigs go, there's no one really. <laughs> DeAndre Jordan, maybe, but uh, maybe. I nah. think people underrate Jordan, the way he played in those elite Clippers years. But you've already got Blake and CP3 up there, you know. Like, to what extent do you just say Jordan was only good because of the players he was with? Yeah. I think this leads on to a second question of ours, but I'm a little bit uncomfortable with Kobe being there. I think that's fair. He... Um, like, 
Let me just testify first. I'm a huge Kobe fan. Yeah, I'm we're all the, huge Kobe fans. I'm one of those guys that thinks all-time Kobe belongs uh, higher on the all-time list than LeBron. Okay. Um, I think you're wrong, but anyway. Yeah, whatever. But point is to say I'm uncomfortable with Kobe being on this list because he won his last rings in those um, around that 09-010 kind of yeah. period, right? And that's not included in this in this list because it's 2010 to 2020. And the last I remember of Kobe in the 2010s was multiple seasons of him being injured and him kind of just having like a, his final season was, let's let's not pretend it wasn't just him jacking shots up yeah. uh, for the fans, which we were all happy to see, right? Like I love seeing that 60 point game, even though it took him 50 shots, but let's not pretend his last season wasn't pretty much just a, a world tour around America you know what I mean that's true like post Achilles I think everyone kind of gave up on the idea that he'd be like a contender or a superstar again yeah especially in 2016 where it was like this is the Kobe Bryant retirement tour let's yeah. not pretend it isn't you know <laughs> yeah yeah so I he think, deserved it yeah he deserved yeah. it and if he had played at that level for the rest of the decade I would have no hesitation putting him on that list because from 2010 to like 2013 he was absolutely elite yeah he was the Kobe we all knew and loved but he just wasn't playing for long enough. So I am uncomfortable with his spot yeah. on the team. But I think you have to recognize his performance in the early part of the decade somehow. It's the idea of like, if someone went out and did three seasons of what James Harden is doing right now, yeah, and then just was pretty average for the rest of the decade, they might still deserve a place on this list. Yeah, Because I think a list like this that recognizes history has to recognize the big moments, which Kobe was absolutely a part of. Yeah, I, I have to say some of the names on this list seem more like a testament to legacy as opposed to objective numbers and achievements. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But that's fair enough. I think yeah. an all-NBA team has to recognize that to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I have no problems with um, paying homage to you know the achievements and the legacy of people who may have just happened to retire this yeah. this decade. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, all things said, I'm not too mad about it. What do you think of Kevin Garnett? Does he deserve a spot on this list? I was never like super high on Kevin Garnett. Like, yeah, I know he won a ring and everything, but I don't know. Like, I never loved his game all that much. And I, I know he was the, you know, he's the kind of poster boy for a stretch four, right? Him and Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. They kind of began that thing along with Kevin Love, I guess. But I don't know. Like, you, you can um, justify it if you want, but. I see Kevin Garnett the same way I see AD. I think the things we recognize them for are not the real reasons why they're effective players. I think Kevin Garnett, if you think about pure basketball effectiveness, is a top 10 all-time player. But I can never say that he's a top 10 all-time player because he doesn't have the same achievements as everyone else. And ultimately, that's what people want to talk about when they discuss legacies. But when I saw this guy play like on the 2012 Celtics or even on those earlier Minnesota teams, yeah, he's the best defensive player in the league. And like the way he played defense, the things he contributed on that end was game-changing. We have never seen a big with that kind of skill set before. We saw guys were more impactful in individual parts of the game, like Hakeem's post-defense or you know Bill Russell's ability to rebound and distribute the ball. But Kevin Garnett was a very complete defender. He was a scheme, a defensive scheme all unto himself in the same way that guys like Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert are now. I just feel like if you bring Kevin Garnett into the equation, you you can't avoid asking yourself, then what about Dirk Nowitzki? You know what I mean? That's fair, but then Wade and Kobe are on these teams, so we're already talking about it. 
Yeah, maybe because of the box office superstardom. I just feel like they belong on this list. So it's because they're scoring guards. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, we love well, guys that can get buckets. Well, Michael Jordan's the goat for a yeah. reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for some, like we've always we've always loved high scoring, high octane, um, athletic guards. Yeah. And for better or worse, that's just how the sort of NBA media and marketing has sort of um, sold the product to us. Yeah. And that's why if you, if you give me this list as is, I'm not really mad about it. You know, yeah. there are a few things I'd change, but I think it's really good for something ESPN did. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing flagrantly like, what the heck is going on? Like, why is this guy here yeah. kind of thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, well, let's move on to our next question then. Two related questions on the 2019 to 2020 season. First one's from Juju. He asks, who is going to be the biggest bust in the NBA draft and why is his name RJ Barrett? <laughs> And I suppose the next part of this question is from Felix, and he asks, the next question is from Felix, and he asks, will the Knicks win 29 games this season? This is the Vegas line, and I have taken the under because I believe RJ Barrett is a bust. (laughs) So we've got some opinions on RJ Barrett here. I wouldn't say he's a bust. I would also say he doesn't give me a lot of confidence. But what do you think about RJ Barrett and the Knicks' upcoming season? Look, even if RJ Barrett isn't a bust, which I believe he won't be, Rookies traditionally do not carry their teams to more than to 29 wins anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And who else is on the Knicks right now that's giving you confidence they're going to win 29 games? Touch Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you know what I mean? Like There are only a very small handful of rookies that have brought their teams to 29 wins. Yeah. On, you know, like LeBron, D-Rose. That's it. Yeah. Like Maybe Ben Simmons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're not going to go there, but um, you get what I mean, right? Like, think of the likes of people like Luka Doncic. Yeah. Like, they don't they didn't bring their team. He's to a that negative mean. player right now. I don't think people understand that. Yeah. Let's, but, you know, he had flashy passes, so yeah. it doesn't matter, right? And step back there. He has a nice step back, yeah. so who cares? But point is to say, it's very rare that uh, a rookie carries their team to 29 wins. 29 wins, if you think about how deep the NBA is and how stacked it is, that's actually not that easy to accomplish. Yeah. You need and, either a star player or some roster depth that's going to allow you to steal some wins. Because it's a surprisingly high n- number of games Think about the average win margin in the NBA, even among even between like a team as stacked as the Warriors, for example, last year. Mm. And when they're versing the bottom half of the league, usually they still only win by anywhere between like 5 to 12. Yeah. And if you think about it, that's about four baskets made so that's how close it is really even when you're talking about some of the best teams of all time do you know what I mean yeah so to win that many NBA games is not easy Absolutely and I not. don't think a rookie can do it the expectation shouldn't be on him to take the team to 29 wins to me it's actually about the four power forwards that you've signed and put <laughs> around him can you run an, a coherent offense with Dennis Smith Jr. as your guy with all these power forwards who are pretty good. You know, they're veterans. They can stretch the floor. Yeah. I think Marcus Morris is a good player. I think Taj Gibson is a good player. I think Julius Randle could be a good player. And it's not outside of the realm of possibility that they win 29, win 29 games. It just comes down to, can Coach Fisdale give this team a coherent identity? Can everyone play their role? If then, it doesn't even matter how good RJ Barrett is. They'll get yeah. to like 30 wins. Well, all right, let's break this down. 29 wins, right? Who in the league are they beating? 
Let's, Who let's, are they coming ahead right. of? Yeah, let's name them. Like okay, who, Charlotte. So you, let, I'll give them. I'll give them eight games right off the bat against yep. Charlotte and the Cavs. Yep. Yep. The Suns are crap. You you don't think the Suns can hold their own, or if not more, against the Knicks? They didn't pick up any good defenders in the offseason. Like I don't understand why people think the Suns are going to win more games. Ah, uh, well, Devin Booker's been training against getting double teams, so he's pretty good now. <laughs> no, he hasn't. He's in. He's in the gym to work on his game. He's not there to, you know. He's there to turn the ball over in the corner when he gets double teamed by Joe Kim Noah. What do you see from the Suns that makes you think they'll be a good team or not a, a not terrible dumpster fire of a team? All, all I see is that um, Devin Booker and Aiton are better than the first two, the top two players on the Knicks. Are you ready for my illegal defense take? All right, go for it. Devin Booker is empty calories. That's not that's not illegal defense. I said that. Like that that's true. I'm but sorry, but people are so offended when, even, when I say even that. Even on empty calories, they're still going to beat the Knicks. No, they're not. Okay, fine. I'll give you I'll give you two wins more than that's 10 wins. Okay. So where are you finding the other 19 wins from? You get about 10 to 12 wins just from teams having bad days. As yeah. long as you're a like competent if you ca- team. Like if you catch them on like uh, back-to-back or something. Yeah, like, like the that. Hawks are really good at that. The Hawks overperformed because yeah. they played hard every game when Miami were like, oh, I'm ready for Cancun. Do we really want to make the playoffs? No, we don't. All right, let's just take it <laughs> easy. Oh, no, we lost twice to the Hawks. <laughs> I reckon you get 10 to 12 wins that way if you know what you're doing. The Hawks knew what they were doing. They just sucked at it. I yeah. think the Knicks are going to be the same next season if Coach Fizdale can install something resembling a coherent offense. Yeah. Look, uh, personally, I think even with that factored in, 29 wins is a bit of a stretch. If you said 20, I'd be like, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But 29, so you're winning You're winning um, about a third of your games. A little bit more. Yeah, look, if RJ Barrett is as good as I think he will be, I think 29 wins is like an optimistic outlook. It's on the higher end of what I expect. It's possible. If he's actually a bust like all our listeners think he is, <laughs> then they're not going to win 29 wins because I, he's going to hurt the team. I actually think if RJ Barrett is um, average to above average, the Knicks can say for themselves that's a win. <laughs> that's true. Like, hey, you actually got a draft pick that was good. <laughs> like, if he's not a bust, I feel like that's a win already, you know what I mean? Considering yeah. the streak that the Knicks have had. They drafted Paul Zingis and he gave up on the city. Yeah. And they drafted Frank Nilakina, who sucks. I mean, it's got ha- to be RJ Barrett, man. I feel so bad for them. I'm of the opinion that Paul Zingis is still in, the, in New York if Carmelo was gone earlier. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's another topic for another podcast. Yeah. Look, RJ Barrett, what I like about him, he's got great footwork. He's got a great sort of work ethic and attitude. I hate his shot selection. I don't think his jumper's there yet. Yeah, Those two are going to be a big deal. That's what's going to have people criticize him relentlessly. Because those two things are really bad to have. If you're a rookie who's given the keys to the kingdom and all you can do is brick shots like Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> that's really bad. But I see in him the potential to be good. Yep. I also see in him the potential to never be better than this. Like a high volume empty calories guy. It's absolutely possible. He's not a point forward. Everyone says he is, but he's not. Mm. But he's got great footwork. He can get to the basket. He's athletic enough to do what he needs to do. I think if he's well coached, he'll be a great player. And not a bust. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. So I'm convinced to respond to the listener's question that the Knicks will definitely be under 29. But we'll see what happens. You yeah. Know? Well, there you go, Felix. You took the under. I hope it pays out for you. Yeah. You can I'm, buy I'm a root- lot of Popeye sandwiches, chicken sandwiches. I'm rooting for you, Felix. Yeah. All right. Next question is from Skidder. And he asks With the roster shakeup of the Golden State Warriors, this next season will be really interesting. They've also extended Draymond Green, which gives them a good outlook from 2020 onwards. What do you think the next few seasons will look like for the Warriors? 
So I'm one, of the, I'm one of the people who've actually been quite high on the Warriors even despite the Clay injury and KD being gone. I think if Clay comes back late season and is anywhere near the Clay that we've known and loved for the last few years, I think they can make a deep run. Hmm. Because they've got the chemistry, they're more or less just running it back. It's no secret that D'Angelo Russell is um, there just as a placeholder until Clay recovers and then they're going to flip him for whatever they can. And... You know, given can, as long as Draymond Green doesn't fall off a cliff and Steph Curry doesn't get injured and is, you know, 85% of the Steph Curry of the MVP seasons, yep. this team is primed to make a run. All it takes is a few injuries, which is what we saw. That's why they didn't win the ring last season. Pretty much. Because right. the injuries went the way a, of a the A few Raptors. injuries, like half yeah. the team. But yeah, yeah, okay, yeah it, was, <laughs> it was like half the team. But that's all it takes, really. This team has championship DNA. Yeah. It's something we talk about a lot. Teams have it. What is it? I don't know exactly, but they have it, right? Steph Curry has it. Draymond Green has it. Clay has it. D'Angelo Russell, does he have it? He could. And if he does, this is a really scary team. And I think as the seasons go on, you will see more players willing to play with the Warriors as the stigma of oh, you're, you join the Warriors goes away, you know? Yeah. Teams and like players are now unashamed to ring chase with the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> like, and no one is criticizing Dwight Howard for being a ring chaser. Yeah. Like, you know, like Zaza Pachulia got crap for joining the Warriors. Yeah. Jonas Jarebko got crap for joining the Warriors. You know, no one said a single thing about Cousins joining the Lakers, interestingly. Because people don't care if you chase rings if if it's with LeBron. Because LeBron's like the main character of the NBA. That's true. I'm not here to complain about that. That's whatever. Yeah. Like, to me, it sucks that people feel that way. But what's important here is that I think the Warriors, as they develop more of that underdog identity again, you're going to see guys more willing to play with them and make it work. And that's all it takes, really. A few smart role players for Steph Curry to do his magic. I actually really love more than anything that they've gotten rid of the old legs on the team. I said towards the end of last season, they need to get rid of Livingston and Iguodala. I know what they bring to the table, but their legs aren't worth it anymore. Yeah. Like, those guys were freaking on walking sticks. You know what I mean? Like, they they didn't belong there anymore. Even if you just got someone younger, at least you have the upside of them being young. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if the Warriors want to win a ring this season, they do need Andre Iguodala to play 16 games at least in the playoffs, maybe 20 games. But he's a lot of salary. And in this current NBA climate, you can't afford to have that much salary sitting on the bench during games and taking games off when every single game counts in the West. And so it makes sense that they did what they did. Because definitely next season, I'm talking 2020 to 21, yeah. he, he was going to be a complete minus. Like yeah. His body's going to give up on him by then. Yeah. So with the Warriors, all it takes for them, I think, is a few good signings and for Steph and Draymond to not decline as quickly as we might think they will. There's a lot of criticism about Draymond, but I hope he got rid of it all in the last playoffs because he was an excellent player last season. Yeah, like, let's not remember, I mean, let's not forget what they were, you know, prior to KD joining them. Even prior to that, we still thought they were one of the most dominant forces that we'd seen yeah, in the NBA for Which is a while. why we were so angry that Kevin Durant joined. Yeah. Or other people were. I was pretty happy with <laughs> Like, I remember that, you know, the unanimous MVP season. Yeah. Steph Curry was, like, playing out of this world. You know what I mean? And, you know, Clay was doing Clay. Draymond was becoming the Draymond that we know and love now. Yeah. And I don't see anything that suggests why they can't get back to that. You know what I mean? It's going to be great for their legacies as well. If they just get one more championship before Steph Curry basically leaves his era of being a good player. Yeah. That is going to look really good. Oh, for that's them. going to book in yeah. their careers so much. If they can win one more ring post KD, yeah. that's 
their legacies are immortalized yeah. forever. That's I mean, it be already like, is, you know. That's gonna be Tony Parker, twenty fourteen. Yeah, I thought Tony Parker was the best player in the Spurs. Yeah, in that championship over the Heat. If they get one ring like that, like there is no doubt that Steph Curry is a top ten all time player. Yeah, that Draymond Green is one of the best defenders of all time. Like no one will question that anymore. Yeah. And Steve Kerr as well will put his name up there in like the pop tier of coaches. Yeah. So I'm excited. I think a bit of luck, actually not, not a bit, a lot of luck is needed. But then again, when is luck not needed to win a ring? Yeah. A lot of things have to break your way to win a championship. Yeah. I just hope the basketball gods smile on them. Yeah. They, because this is a they, hard working they team. They deserve it. Yeah, they know? deserve it. Next question from Skidder. Who is the best ball handler in the league? That's a really interesting question. I think it depends on what you define ball handler as. Yeah. But what's your immediate reaction to that? See, my knee-jerk reaction is to ask you Steph Curry or Kyrie Irving. That's pretty much my knee-jerk reaction. Okay, why did you list those two players? Because I think whenever you think of highlight reels of guys doing ridiculous things with the ball and turning ankles around or making guys look stupid, it's, some, it's somehow usually always those two. So it's like ball control. Yeah. yeah, I think that makes sense. If I think of pure ability to dribble the ball and manipulate it, certainly Kyrie Irving's the best in the league at that. But to me, I don't really care about flashiness. I care about effectiveness. So for me, ball handling, the idea of what makes a good ball handler, who can use their handles to achieve things on the court? So usually to like break down the defense, right? Yeah, like whose ball handling gives them more offensive options? That's the question I'm trying to answer here. And I'm actually not going to mention Kyrie Irving. I don't think he's in that discussion at all. Okay. For the last couple of seasons, I would have said four players. Yeah. Okay. Steph Curry, James Harden, Chris Paul, and then Kyrie Irving. But Kyrie would be at the lesser end of that in terms of what his handles achieve. Because to, to me, the one thing about Kyrie is he's not a system unto himself, the way the other three guys are. Yeah. The things his handles allow him to achieve is to take advantages of mismatches. And we saw this in Cleveland when LeBron or Tristan Thompson were able to force him a switch on a bigger guy and his handles would allow him to get past them or to shake them off and, you know, take a high percentage mid-range shot. Yeah. But he doesn't do anything with it beyond that. Like, we haven't seen that he's a floor general yet. And I'm not saying his passing should help us think about what his ball handling is like. Yeah. But for me, if I'm a smart defender and I know that Kyrie's goal is always to score... That affects the way I defend him. That makes his handles less effective. So you you named like James Harden and Chris Paul, right? Yeah. I think if the criteria was who can I trust to do the most of the ball without losing it, it'd be Chris Paul, yep. hands down. I, I, I can't even like imagine him losing the ball while dribbling it. You yeah. know what I mean? He doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, but I think if part of the criteria is also whose handles are the sexiest, I can't put him in there. Like, <laughs> he, like he, he's vanilla you know what yeah I mean? like reliable good but it's not like the it's not the dish you bring out when you want to impress people yeah you know what i mean it, if we're only talking pure flashiness you got to give lance stevenson a mention <laughs> that guy's got nice handles yeah yeah lie. sure yeah uh jr smith actually has nice handles if he you does. Gotta bring that kemba walker does or oh, kemba walker's a bit more of a floor general than yeah. those guys there so i think overall package i'm inclined to um I think you've convinced me that James Harden belongs in that discussion. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely for me, it's between Curry, Irving, and Harden. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit biased towards Curry. But if you told me it was any of the other two, I'd be like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. At, at this point, 
I think James Harden is a lot closer to number one than Kyrie, that's for sure. I could even see an argument for him over Curry. And because I'm a Curry fan, I don't want to go into detail about why his handles are the best in the league. Yeah. Like, just see what he does with it. That's Just watch Curry tape. That's all you need to know. To me, why I think James Harden deserves to be there is because he is such an offensive weapon. Like, you cannot defend him. There's not a single player in the NBA, in the world, who can defend James Harden one-on-one. Yeah. And that's because of how sick his handles are. On top of that, he's got great body control. He can draw fouls out of nowhere. He's explosive. He's strong. When you put all that together, his handles become part of this package that's just so scary. On top of that, he's a great shooter and scorer. He's probably yeah. the best or second best offensive player in the league next to Steph Curry. I and feel like his dribble is an offensive option in and of itself because it's the move that is that precedes his step back. That's play, right. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if he's dribbling the ball, the step back three is an option. That's why we always talk about shadow Harden. When the Rockets are out there, they really have six guys out there. Because one, you have the James Harden who can break you down with his dribble, who can take advantage of the fact that his court is really spaced with all the good shooters around him and, yeah. of course, his own ability to shoot. So he can get past you if it's a mismatch or even if you're a bit smaller than him, he can get past you. On top of that, he can also step back and shoot a three. So yeah. you're guarding two James Hardens at once. Yeah, The guy who can get to the basket and even dunk it because he's that strong or the guy who can get all the way back to the three-point line and shoot a reasonably efficient shot or draw a foul. Yeah. And that's all due to his handles. So you got to recognize that. After thinking, talking about this for a bit, I think Curry and Irving, for me, are the sexiest handles in the league. And Chris Paul and Harden are probably the most effective handles in the league. Yeah. So what do, I don't know. What do you think about that? Right now, you give me a player to lead a team offensively, give me Steph Curry. He's got mind-bending gravity. He changes the way the game is played. He changes the defenders you put out there. Harden does as well, but... I just, I always say this, spacing is one of the most important tools any guard can have in their arsenal. And no one comes as close as Steph Curry. But in terms of who do I want to have the ball, if every basketball game was played, you know, let's say 100 possessions per team, and every team has to only give one player the ball, James Harden over anyone else. All right, moving on to our last question. This question is from OK Thank You, which is his ID. <laughs> I don't actually know what his, his real name is. That's cool though. <laughs> Who's the best big three of all time? All time. All time. That's a tough one, isn't it? I I think this is where our youth will come to bite us. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be someone out there who comes up to us and says, oh, but what about this big three from 1970? (laughs) And I'm like, bro, like my parents were barely alive at that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So please forgive us for some recency bias and youth as, as a part of our answer. Yeah. Well, let's see the obvious candidates first. Yeah, I mean, what most recent Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, KD. Yep. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. <laughs> <laughs> Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Leandro Barbosa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you know, LeBron, D Wade, and Chris Bosh, Tim Duncan, Kawhi, and Parker. Parker, and then like Ginobili in and out there if you want. Yeah, it's really a big four, not a big three. Yeah. You've got LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love as well, which I think is underrated. I think that team was really good offensively. One of the best offensive teams we've seen this decade. I actually think if the discussion was between dynamic duo, LeBron and Kyrie go further than Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love as Probably. a trio. Yeah. Because I actually thought about that and I was like, 
I like it more. I like that picture better without Kevin Love in it. All right, let's go back a bit further then. You've got Jordan, <laughs> Pippen, and Rodman. Yeah. Does Rodman, is is he weird on that list for you? Because I don't think anyone underrates his defense or his rebounding, but is he the kind of player you would put on a big three? Look, it's Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman, right? right? But yep. isn't it really Jordan, Pippen, and the team? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how stacked was their freaking team? Absolutely. You know, you know what I mean? Well, what about the uh, Showtime Lakers with yeah. Magic Johnson, Kareem, and Worthy? Well, you've also got um, the 86 Celtics, who I know so much about because I listened to Bill Simmons. Yeah. They had probably the best front court of all time with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. Like, they, they need to rate a mention as well. They're probably top five. Yeah. So what, think, what's, the, what's the criteria for you? Like, what's going to make you decide this is the greatest big three? All right, I'm going to base my criteria on... These three guys cannot be stopped. Right. Oh, I think KD, Harden, and Westbrook. I didn't even, like, I know they're a big three, but I didn't mention them because I don't think they're as good as these other trios we've talked about. Like, you could say the same with Paul Pierce, Kim Gunner, and Ray I think Allen. raw talent-wise, they're right up there with them. Oh, talent, maybe, yeah. If we're talking accomplishments, obviously not since they didn't accomplish Jack. Yeah. But I think raw talent-wise, they deserve an honorable mention. Fair enough. So, okay, what, what are your criteria then? Achievements or ceiling mm. or what? achievements and who do i like when i look at the other team i'm like screw it why are we playing yeah you know what i mean i feel like we need to talk about this before i come to a conclusion but i'm gonna right off the bat just chuck it out there and say clay steph and draymond yep i'm gonna not durant no i think like that was my immediate response right right? i wanted to say that because i think on paper as as individual players yes but does that team really work the same without Draymond doing his thing? Not really. Mm-hmm. Unless you wanted to go Steph and KD pick and roll every possession with Clay Thompson standing on the corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. What do you think? It's hard for me because after Kevin Durant joined, there was certainly a big four. Yeah. But if you had to look at the identity of the team, you would insert Draymond Green over Kevin Durant, definitely. Yep. It's It's tough. I mean, KD's position on the team was really more of like, it was like if a warrior suddenly discovered a machine gun. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, okay, that's a bit... Well, they would run the same tactics as they did before. Yeah. Their strategy would be the same. The way they win would be the same. They just had more weaponry. Yeah. Like they just found like, you know, like a God level weapon. Yeah. And decided to put it on. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I think KD was for them. Because of that, I think he deserves a mention in the top three. Like... I think I would actually put him in the big three over Clay or Draymond. Which one do I kick out? I don't think it matters that much. I mean, you could do, you know, Steph, Dre, and KD. Yeah, and I think that that's equally valid as Steph, Clay, and KD. Yeah. Like, I don't really care which of Clay or Draymond you put in there. I think Draymond's the better player and more impactful and more important to the Warriors. But I think a lot of people want to think of these lists as offensive big threes. Yeah. So Clay should be in there. To me, it's I've got three candidates that I need your help deciding right, on one. Let's do it. So the first one is Steph, Durant, and one of the Warriors. Yeah. The second one is Magic, Kareem, and Worthy because I think people underrate how good those Showtime Lakers were. Yeah. Now that it's like you know, thirty years in the past. Yeah. And the last one is Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman, who won six rings together. Yeah. That it. Come on, man. Like, like you gotta. Yeah, I don't know what you say to that. To be honest, if yeah. you're gonna pull that card, I don't know what we're gonna say. Well, the Warriors won three rings yeah, and probably are the most successful team of all time in terms of how good that team was. I think as if you're going to 
pry them apart as individual players. Like yeah, Jordan is Jordan, but if I compare them to the next two players on the Warriors Big Three, I'd probably take the next two Warriors on the. Oh, me too. Like Pippen at his best. Yeah. Was probably like peak Paul George. I mean, the general know? agreement is that he's a top fifty player now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think Clay and KD definitely deserve to be higher than top fifty. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're probably top thirty. Yeah. Maybe not Clay, but yeah, Draymond certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if if I if I look at the level of basketball that these teams played, in the end, I'm going with the Warriors, and this isn't my recency bias speaking. I truly think the things this Warriors team was doing is unparalleled. We've never seen a team play basketball the way the Warriors do. Yeah. If you took the, that Showtime Lakers team put in the NBA today or that Bulls team put in the league today, I think the Warriors would trump them both. Yeah. Well, what I can say about the Warriors, because you know I existed in their time of dominance, was like people's approach and attitude to every season when KD was there was, why are we playing? Yeah, the NBA and is ruined. Even the people who idolized the Jordan era, I don't hear them say like, what was the point of playing those years? You know what I mean? I'm sure there are fans of like, like if you were a Knicks fan who had tasted victory, it was so close to it. <laughs> yeah. And then Jordan comes and ruins everything. I think you would feel crap. Yeah. But like just from what I've experienced, right? Even when like LeBron, um, Wade and Chris Bosh were together, or when LeBron, Kyrie and Kevin Love were together, no one was really saying, why are we playing? Yeah. This isn't fair, just boycott the league kind I of did. thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you said that. Well, I it's didn't. different when it's the main character of the NBA, right? Yeah. I think people are a lot more willing to forgive it when it's the face of the league that's doing it. The problem with Curry was that no one ever accepted him as the, the guy in the NBA. Yeah. Because LeBron was already there. We already loved him. I reckon in that season where LeBron, the the Cavs won against the Warriors, if the Warriors had won, Steph Curry would have become the main character of the league. Because so well. the narrative was starting to head that way. Yeah. And then LeBron was like, no, this yeah. is my league. He became I, a hero. Like, this is my house, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I own this place. Yeah, it could have been for sure. I guess we'll never know. But yeah, I think I'm I'm very happy, very comfortable with the Warriors as the answer to this question. It, in just in terms of pure basketball ability, you know, how do you measure greatness? Is it the number of rings? Then it's Jordan. Yeah. Is it longevity? Then you got to bring the Spurs back into the discussion. Is it cultural impact? You know, memories that people make. Yeah. And it's between the Showtime Lakers and these Warriors. Yeah, I mean, the, the Warriors not, have a bit of all three. We're, we're not too far away from the Warriors yet. Like, we're not far enough to um, talk about their cultural impact. You know yeah. what I mean? But I can tell you, like, the last few seasons were pretty much just why are we playing? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I hope we, in history, we look back on them and see how special they were, because we we have not entered an era of the NBA where this can happen anytime we want. You know, we talk about player empowerment and players forcing their way to teams. Fact remains that you have a salary cap. Most dudes aren't willing to take pay cuts to play with each other. Most yep. dudes aren't joining, uh, you know, a dynasty in the middle of a salary cap spike. These are all things that needed to happen for the Warriors to happen. I feel like before we conclude our answer on this question, there are some people out there who I feel like we we need to discuss this. Uh, we need to talk about LeBron, Wade, and Chris Bosh. Yeah, because I just feel like there are people out there who feel like they deserve to be talked about. Mm -hmm. So I think we owe it to them to at least talk about why we don't have them as our best players. Yep. So do you want to start on that? For me, it's the fact that neither Wade nor Bosch were such elite players that they formed a definitive part of the big three. For me, that was just LeBron actually having good teammates. Like mm -hmm. you could have replaced Wade and Bosch with say Dwight Howard, 
and James Harden. And that team would have been just as good, I think. There was yeah. nothing that Wade or Bosch did that was so significant that I remember the big three for them in particular. So so you think it was just LeBron playing at godlike levels? Yeah, with decent teammates. Yeah. Bosch was a borderline all-star at the time that he was playing on the Heat. Wade was really good. That Heat team was actually really stacked. It was deep as well. Yeah. Which I think people forget. It wasn't just LeBron doing all the hard work. Like, don't forget they had um, Mike Miller, Shane Battier. Yeah, Shane Mario, Battier is amazing. Yeah, Mario Chalmers before he was a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, like, those guys are winners. Yeah. They knew they knew what it took. They, they had Ray Allen right before he started to taper off. Like, that shot he hit. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah. That was a good-ass Heat team. I hope we don't forget that. Yeah. For me, it's just those... The fit between those three players was never like the fit between KD, Steph, and Clay. That's true. Those two, I mean, those three, they took off right away. There was no moment where they need, there was no phase where they were like, how's this going to work? Your team, my team, yeah. do, do I touch the ball? Do you control the offense? I think they had it a little bit for a period, but it wasn't as documented as LeBron and Wade's struggles. Yeah. Where, you know, it's well documented that after they lost, Wade was like, look, LeBron, you need to do this. Like, this is your team. Yeah. I'm going to be Robin. You know what I mean? You be Batman. Yeah. And it's really the fact that LeBron and Wade are not players that their skill sets don't fit with each other. That's because they're two players that define the way your, your game is played, you know? Yeah. If you have LeBron on your team, here's something he's not doing. He's not setting screens. He's not cutting off the ball. The, like, he, he would basically take turns doing that with Wade, right? Yeah. All right, Wade, your turn to handle the ball. Now I'll cut. Or, all right, LeBron's handling the ball. Wade is now going to be the slasher. And, and they did that really well, but the yeah. problem was that was it. Like, they weren't spacing the court for each other. And it's worth mentioning that Chris Bosh basically became a glorified three-point shooter yeah. by the end of that run. Yeah, like, like a lot of his skill set was misused yeah, or like, not used at all. His role in that team was basically, like, just stand in the corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they couldn't afford to have him in the paint area while Wade and LeBron were operating because, you know, Wade is a slasher by nature yeah. LeBron also needs to penetrate if Chris Bosch was standing in the paint it wouldn't have worked so you know Chris Bosch like he took a mad L to his career so did Kevin Love think yeah same it. with Kevin Love like those two guys got the short end of the stick yeah. by joining the big three but you know they got a ring out of it yeah it's true like you can't really complain yeah the, the one thing for me that I don't see this big three as being as good as the others even though they were really stacked at the time I think you just have to consider what their competition looked like. Like they were coming off an era where there weren't many big threes anymore, you know? Yeah. We hadn't seen any since the Celtics did it. And by then they were too old to really compete. Yeah. So, yeah, I just look at this number two and number three in this big three. I don't think they're remarkable players. Prime Dwayne Wade would have probably changed the conversation on this a little bit. But he wasn't prime Dwayne Wade by the time yeah. LeBron arrived. He was him. exiting prime he Dwayne Wade. He was exiting prime Dwayne Wade. And again, the fit. Like Magic, Kareem, Worthy, great fit. The Warriors, great fit. I think Jordan missed the opportunity to play with like a really elite floor spacer. Yeah. I think he could have gone another way if it was another wing in there instead of Pippen. Yeah. I, I feel like, I hope we did justice by analyzing that part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, Feel free to DM us and throw some shade our way if you feel if you disagree. I feel like I punched way above my age bracket just by mentioning the Celtics. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm happy. I'm happy with this answer. Cool. So that about covers all the questions for this episode of Mailbag. 
there's a lot more NBA news coming up, but I guess we have to wait for it to drop first, just yeah. because there's not much going on in the league right I now. I actually quite enjoyed this mailbag episode. I feel like, you know, we should seek questions and input from our audience more often. Yeah, we'll try to do it regularly. We did actually end up getting to basically every question that was asked. Yeah. Some overlaps, but it's all right. So for now, we'll see you guys next time there's something to discuss. Laters.